welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. So, 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 here we go. Welcome to episode 36 of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is Stu Mills. And Stu is the the brains, the noisy brain, behind the app and the website, The Noisy Brain. Um, which I suppose is a social enterprise committed to mental health, wellness, and creating a more forgiving world, one lyric and one song at a time. And that just sounds lovely to me. Um, I'm going to try. The best place to go is to their website and have a read about how it works and, and what it is. It's uh, thenoisybrain.com. But I'm going to try and kind of tell you a little bit about it because I think it's fantastic. It's um, basically, it's an app that you can download. You can get it in all the places where you get your apps from. And if you have struggled or are struggling with um, mental health issues, mental well-being stuff, stress, anything at all that is kind of affecting you, you can um, you can write stuff down and submit it to the noisy brain, right? So you can write lyrics or poetry or just scribble words down on a page or even like a short story or anything at all to like process your thoughts and you could submit it to the noisy brain. And then they organize for musicians um, to pick up your, your lyrics, your words and turn it into songs. And I just think that is is absolutely lovely. Uh, it might get picked up by someone who plays guitar or piano. It could be electronic. Maybe a few different people pick it up and you can get the same words um, displayed in, in different ways. And there is just so much that I love about this. I just think it's a fantastic idea. I cannot believe there's nothing else there like this. And I cannot believe no one else has thought of it before now. But um, yeah, it's fantastic. You've, like I talk a lot about how creativity can be important for mental health, you know, processing your thoughts and feelings, getting them down on the page. We know that journaling is a, is a good thing. So many people express themselves through words, through written words. And so many people express themselves through different types of music and be able to bring them together. I think that's just beautiful. Um, you know, there's creativity, there's the community aspect, there's the connection aspect, there's having a goal and a project. And if you're, if you're struggling, and you're struggling with negative thoughts about yourself and your your own sense of self-worth. You know, that's something that I really, really struggled with when things were dark for me. Having something that you've written about a personal experience be turned into a piece of music and actually have like this thing there that you can listen to and put in your headphones. I just think that's so empowering and it's such a lovely thing. And it's just really cool for people to um, to get involved with. So I will put all the links to the website and all the rest of the social media for the noisy brain and stuff in the episode notes for this. But go and have a look on the website because they kind of do a much better job at summing up what it's all about and how it works. And like I say, you can get the app everywhere and the app's like a community. You can like connect with people and chat to people and there's um, stuff in there to help you and there's blogs and there's all sorts of stuff. It really is a brilliant, brilliant resource. And Stu was great to chat to. Um, This was a favorite conversation of mine, I think because we really get into some stuff, some mental health stuff, but in a way that I haven't really discussed before. 
And I think it's a really important conversation. And I would like to start by thanking Stu for his honesty and his bravery in having this conversation because he really, um, you know, he didn't shy away from anything that we talk about. We really got into it. Um, And yeah, I just thought he was lovely and very brave for doing it. But basically, in a nutshell, Stu struggled with his mental health for a long, long time. And one of his ways of coping with that was um, doing lots of work in a very high pressure environment and letting off steam uh, with alcohol. And um, yeah, he was drinking too much. He's actually been, since all this stuff happened, he's actually been diagnosed with ADHD. So for a long time, he was living with this mental illness and had no idea he was living with a mental illness in a very, very toxic environment fueled by booze. He's lived in a lot of places. He's currently in Singapore. And a few years ago, he got into a situation with a local in Singapore. And that situation ended up with him going to court and then briefly to prison. It was also videoed at the time and went viral. It was in some of the press over here as well. And he just got bombarded on um, on the internet, on social media. People got hold of his, his phone number. People got hold of his family addresses. And, you know, he was getting death threats. People were threatening his family. It really was like this big, awful thing. And I think it's a really, really important conversation to have, particularly right now in 2021, in the midst of all this like cancel culture, which, you know, has been a force for good. All the Me Too movement is just absolutely fantastic. But then things kind of can get a little bit out of control. And the conversation that me and Stu have, and I wanted to address it in the intro because I wanted to kind of just let you know it was coming because it is deep and we do get onto it. But the idea that someone does something wrong and Stu holds his hands up and he says he's, you know, he's devastated about it and he wishes it had never happened. And it, you know, and he knows that what he did wasn't right. And then everyone turned on him, but he wasn't in his own mind when he did this thing, right? So he was someone who was struggling with a mental illness, an undiagnosed mental illness, living in a very, very toxic world. And, um, yeah, so mental health is, it's not an excuse, but it is a reason. I think that's the phrase that, that I use in the episode. And the idea of that, that something bad happens and everyone's just so quick to just like pile in and threaten the man's family. And yet we have to take into account his mental illness, but without letting him off the hook. And the way that Stu talks about that and navigates that is just is just brilliant, you know, and fair play to him. He's a lovely bloke and his app and his website is lovely as well and he's really trying to do some good in the world and I have the utmost respect for him and I really really liked him chatting to him I still really like him um (laughs) I said that in the past tense for some reason um no I really like so he's a lovely lovely man and um you know I feel like he's a bit of a friend of mine and um yeah it's great it's a great conversation and like I said I really admire his bravery um, it's a long one. We talk about that. We talk about Stu's journey and what led him all around the world into Singapore. We talk about, there's a really relatable bit of the conversation where we talk about like work environment and stress from work and how that affects us outside of work. Um, I think a lot of people are going to relate to that. We talk about alcohol, which is something me and Stu both have in common. Um, yeah. And like all mental health chats, some of the stuff I can relate to and some of I can some of it I can't but there's some a lot of crossover there you know regardless of the diagnosis there's always some sort of crossover and um yeah it's just a brilliant brilliant chat and I'm really proud of it as an episode of this podcast and I'm really proud of me and Stu for getting through it and handing everything in the way that we do 
You can go to thenoisybrain.com for the website. You can get the app absolute anywhere at all. On Instagram, it's at thenoisybrainer. It's a slightly different spell in there. I think someone had already nicked the handle. Um, Go and check them out. Give them a follow. See what they're all about. And if you're any sort of budding creative, whether that's a writer of words or a recorder of music, have a look around and see. There's some examples of people that have made songs and some of them are really, really good. They're up there already. And I know we talk about it a bit on this and Stu talks about maybe putting an album together or even a gig, you know, and I just kind of imagine going to a gig that is people playing songs that have been written about mental health and mental well-being by people who have gone through or are going through these things and the sort of community and healing that could happen if something like that was ever to come off you know I just think it's really really powerful stuff and um, yeah I hope you enjoyed this conversation I think this is the longest intro in the world so I'm going to skip all the stuff you know where to find me leave me a review yada 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 it's all good here we go proper mental episode 36 with Stu Mills from the noisy brain Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Just hop straight in, mate. Yeah, so I do, I'll go for my intro, but I'll just say a, a little thing and we'll just dive dive on it, mate. Cool, mate. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is Stu Mills. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, great to uh, be talking to you finally. Yeah, you too, mate. You too. Um, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. were just we were just chatting about the fact that you're in um in Singapore, mate. What what time is it with you over there? Uh, it's just gone five now, five p.m. So oh I'm, wow, I'm seven hours ahead of you. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, ten a.m. for me. That's um yeah, that's fascinating. How long have you been in Singapore, mate? Uh, I've I actually originally moved here in 2005, um, oh, wow. and I've sort of been here on and off since then. I spent some time in um, in working in Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam for a couple of years, and also up in uh, a career in Seoul for two years as well. But oh, wow. uh, I keep boomeranging back because of because of the wife. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> home from home, right? Yeah. So I, I suppose that sounds like a you know like a really good place for us to start, mate. Where are you from in the UK, and what brought you to Singapore in the first place? Yeah, originally I uh, come from a place called Folkestone down in Kent. Uh, most people would know it's like next to Dover, <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's uh, you know Folkestone's the, the place where the the Channel Tunnel actually enters and goes off to uh, to Calais in France. Um, but yeah, I grew up there, and that was a you know, fantastic place to grow up because one side you got the uh, the sea, and the other side you got beautiful Kent countryside. You know, and uh, I used to go to art college in Canterbury, um, and then moved to living in London probably around 90, 91, 92. I've sort of I, I worked in London uh, in advertising for around about eight years I suppose in London basically just wanted to escape and explore so I, I I bought a ticket for around the world trip for six months but I had absolutely no intention of coming back <laughs> but I, I didn't tell anybody that I I just thought I'll head off and see where I see where I find myself I you know originally intended to sort of try and settle down in uh, New Zealand I, I don't know why New Zealand um, I was attracted to New Zealand. I think um, uh, 
after working and living in London, I wanted something with uh, a little bit more space. Um, yeah, the, uh, the opposite, right? A little bit more relaxed, you know. Um, yeah, I ended up, I didn't quite make it to New Zealand. I ended up in uh, Australia for about three and a half years. Always wanted to sort of, uh, you know, escape advertising, but get, kept getting dragged back into it. Um, and so I ended up um, uh, getting invited to work up in Singapore in, I think I moved in here in 2005, in about May 2005. So, yeah, I've been here sort of uh, almost, well, around about 16 years on and off, as I said. So Wow. Um, but, yeah, I still haven't got used to the heat. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just oh, yeah even after all these all these years wow that's some yeah. some journey mate yeah so yeah. For, you, for yourself when does um mental ill health enter that picture because i think one thing that i always think is interesting to mention is that when it comes to mental health mental illness it never starts at diagnosis right so often we're struggling and suffering for a long time before we get that diagnosis and for some people it's something that they've carried with them their whole life and for other people it's something that kind of just explodes out of nowhere and happens so where on that that scale did stuff start to happen for you mate yeah i i think i think i sort of suffered with um sort of mild depression from you know f- through school like um i could remember sort of like you know struggling a bit with sort of um education and sort of i was i was reasonably i was reasonably good at most of the sort of subjects but i i can remember sort of having really down times and sort of you know struggling a little bit on occasions but i, I also sort of put that down to ill health i i, I struggled with sort of asthma and bronchitis and pneumonia and things like that was you know growing up as a as a kid and a teenager so kind of my sort of waves of mental health were sort of not really distinguishable because I was always getting over some kind of illness um and I think the main time that I I sort of realized was probably when I moved to London and um uh was working in advertising then I can remember having a a a few breakdowns and sort of you know being found in my office at the time you know by a work colleague sort of just bawling my eyes out because I was working really hard trying to keep my job uh you know in in advertising at the time and still is kind of a very cutthroat um industry and you're always pretty much being sort of you know the insinuation is you're being threatened with your job on every single brief you're working on and I think you know obviously that's very similar to other people's jobs but the pressure of that was sort of being counteractive with me partying far too hard to you know escape the you know in in advertising my job was to come up with ideas so I found myself you know literally you know with think overthinking everything because you know you're trying to find a new avenue in for a new idea to sell a global product and you know uh, and then write new interesting fun scripts uh, for tv commercials and things like that so inside your head it's always you know going on so like when you actually go out and you start partying and you have a few drinks I was always you know saying to my you know friends and family this is the only time I can switch off from work the whole thing about advertising is you're kind of trying to come up with the new ideas so you're always 
listening to conversations and you know you know thinking about ideas and watching watching people on the bus or watching people you know listening to other people's conversations in bars or whatever like that so you're always working and so when you start to switch off and you you know have you know far too many drinks or potentially the drugs like I was doing occasionally you know you, you escape all of that uh, you escape all of that uh, thinking time and you think you think that's a good thing at the time but obviously those it soon mounts up and you you sort of end up crashing yeah yeah i suppose all like all pressure needs a release right but then it's like whether that release is healthy or not and our society our culture that's how we're bred right you work yourself to death through the week you deal with stress because it's just something that we should do as humans and then you blow off all that steam at the weekend scrape yourself off the floor monday morning and go again that's just like you know that's just how it's been since you know the industrial revolution really um that's right yeah. So, you know, that's a very, I think a lot of people will relate with that to that, that lifestyle, Stu, you know, I think yeah. that's quite, quite commonplace. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I was lucky also because at the time I was working for like a, a big advertising agency and this was probably around about 25 years ago. Uh, I was in my yeah, mid twenties and, you know, the, the agency recognized there was a problem. So even back then, uh, I got I got lucky because they actually sort of helped me um, uh, put, got me into counselling for like uh, about six months. The counselling from there, and then I started going to like the you know the, the doctors, and they put me on medication. I think I was on Prozac for quite a while. I didn't really know if Prozac did anything. I, I if anything, I found it was making me more anxious and angry, <laughs> um, which was probably the opposite effect it was supposed to. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I got to uh, throughout uh, my twenties in London. But then, uh, as I said, I, I, I left London. You know, I always say I escaped London because it did feel like I was trapped there, um, and went in search of doing the same job, but like in a different environment. And I think that helped my uh, mental health for quite a long time part of all of these things was potentially like uh, the I've got ADHD which I only discovered two two years ago which we'll, we'll go on to like in, in a little while but now I've, I'm no more about ADHD I think a lot of my problems stemmed from that um, having an overactive mind and not being able to like concentrate on things whether that was in work or whether that was in relationships or anything like that, I was always looking for the next quick fix, you know? Like, um, so did you find like getting away and travel and everything that came with that, did that start to make, you know, create that space in your life for you to feel more, more at ease in, you, in yourself, mate? I, I think so. I think, uh, you know, now looking back and knowing that, you know, that the ADHD tendencies, I think, all of those changes helped put me in a you know, different environment and different people and different like working briefs and things like that. I think that really did help. Um, but at the time, I didn't know there was any problem with ADHD either. I was lucky enough to sort of, you know, be in an industry where I, ideas, trans, you, know, you can translate most creative ideas into different languages and things. So, you know, that, that was always a plus for me. I could, I could go and work in my own language and then work with local people and create 
these things into different uh, languages. Yeah, yeah. I think we're we're probably going to talk about creativity a lot today, mate. But the one thing that always interests me, and it's something that kind of that I experienced myself, is you know, if you are a creative person or if you have any sort of passion, and you turn it into a job, well, once it becomes your job, it can steal that outlet away from you. So if you're if you're a naturally creative person, which I know that you are, and you're then pushing all your creativity into your work, and that work takes over your life, then you can end up with no outlet for this, you know, this thing that is a really important part of of yourself, right? Of your of, yeah, of your personality. I mean, that's that's um, that's a good observation. It's it's um, it's something again which I've only sort of you know realized in the last few years when my circumstances all changed that those creative outlets had been stifled you know like uh i used to enjoy going to you know drawing and art college and you know uh creating things and although i was working in advertising i was creating other people's things you know a big part of that is i wasn't really i didn't feel like i was helping people you know i was i was selling products which people potentially didn't didn't need <laughs> you know like like the awful coca-cola or something like that it was just, just why you know and uh, and i when i was working i was always more i would i would be more attracted to those charity briefs which would come in that i could potentially help other people with and um again looking back on that i i should have i should should have taken notice of that because that's the thing with creativity isn't it it's not um you know we you can just sometimes it's just be creative with anything just to be creative so no purpose it doesn't even have to be good <laughs> you know it just has to be kind of out there so if you start putting on the the pressure with deadlines and um and it was really interesting what you said before actually about having to like think of these advertising ideas because i get all my best ideas when i'm not thinking you know, like the shower is where I come up with my master plans to take over the podcast world and, you know, all this sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, if I was to like sit and actually think and try and write a list of things that I wanted to to do and achieve and all that, I think I'd quite struggle, you know. So that's that's quite interesting as well. And whenever we're, whether we know it or not, whenever we're forced to be ever so slightly out of alignment with our our values, it becomes this sort of like round peg square hole type of scenario doesn't it and over time that just that just takes its toll you know and we don't always realize right we don't always realize yeah. at all that's that's exactly it and it's you know you i look back and i i had a lot of fun in in the industry um but i do look look back and just feel that i i should have got out a lot longer a lot sorry, a lot earlier and i think if i had a lot of my problems that i ended up in, in later life like um would have been avoided i was potentially would have been doing something which i was more passionate about when when you're stuck in that rut as you say it's like you don't see any way out and that becomes a frustrating it becomes uh self-manifesting like you just you you feel trapped and mm. then you're on on the edge the whole time because anything that goes wrong it goes wrong big big time yeah yeah you're like living in that permanent state of fight or flight or fight flight and freeze and you're in the freeze position right and you can't go forwards and you can't go back and um that can be work or relationships or all sorts of all sorts of freeze and it's a horrible um horrible feeling and you know like it's hard to switch that off isn't it you know when you're angry at work 
and you're working too much. You know, it's very hard. If you can't switch off from work, then you can't switch off from the anger that comes from work. And I always think of it as a little bit like being unplugged from the matrix. So once you kind of even subconsciously realize that something's not right, you can't go back. You just can't, you can't take the red pill and go back. You know, you like, and then you really are trapped because you've got to do something about it and you don't know what to do and just being caught in that, um, in that middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. That's always tough on people that comes up a lot in this podcast. Things like that come, come up a lot. So how did you, um, when does ADHD enter the picture, mate? How does that come? How do you end up um, finding out that that, that sits with you? As I said, like um, my depression sort of, dipped like when I sort of went, went to different places and that I I noticed that there was a problem happening with me uh, probably about four years ago I could feel myself going into that downward spiral basically I ended up getting more and more depressed finding myself getting more and more angry because I was depressed and I couldn't find a way out so I ended up doing the stupid thing of you know self-medicating with um, a lot of alcohol and getting myself into lots of arguments with my friends and my family. And it came a time when I was like looking at how many people I've pissed off like in the last year, you know, um, it, it just became one of those routine things where I was just, at the time I was, I thought I was angry that, you know, other people were making me angry, but I was ang- angry at myself and I was seeing, I was seeing the flaws in other people, but probably reflecting them, you know, and they were actually my own flaws. So I ended up I'm, I'm sort of getting into arguments all the time. One of these, well, basically that escalated into suicidal like thoughts, um, like in, you know intrusive thoughts which would just appear like randomly you know it could be as uh, I was talking to someone the other day and said it was as simple as like going to the cinema and watching a film but in the film I would see a, a bridge and then my mind would be okay so where's the nearest bridge <laughs> like and the film just keeps going but you know my head was basically taking me to bad places of like you know where where was the nearest bridge and what would be the ideal place you know or you know or building or something like that and it was kind of really really worrying and those thoughts escalated I was having a really nice weekend we did this like a staycation in the city um my, my wife had some air miles and so we used them like and uh, had a long weekend in a, a nice hotel and this particular hotel had like high balconies my wife went back to work on the monday and i think i'd taken the monday off and i was going to use the facilities of the hotel but i just found myself like standing out on the balcony about 30 40 floors up just looking to see where i would land and i was there for far too long and actually scared myself and there was no reason for it. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was in a bad place then, which was even scarier because it was literally just forefront of mind for no reason. We'd had a nice weekend. We'd have, you know, had gone out for some nice meals. We'd had like a few, few drinks with friends and everything was cool. We, it wasn't as though we'd had an argument or anything. And that was, that was really scary. I, I kind of managed to get myself back into the the room and 
I shut the, I can remember shutting the sliding doors and then closing the curtains because I thought that was better that I didn't see outside. <laughs> and rather than use the facilities of the hotel, I just packed up and just went home. And I, I, again, I didn't tell my wife about it. I didn't tell anybody about it. And then I did my stupid thing of going back out and drinking and trying to forget about it. And um, this over, I think it was about a week later, this led to an incident that happened in, in Singapore. And um, I got myself into an argument with a security guard and I lashed out, hit the guy. And it, it, it all basically was completely, it was stupid to do. It was a, it was a stupid sort of like moment. I regretted it instantly, like, um, but the problem was it was filmed by another security guard and they put it onto social media. And before this, I actually went back to the place to, um, like, one, apologise to the, the place and also uh, found out that the police were sort of, like, involved. So I basically went to hand myself in. But the problem was that the security company had put all of this onto social media. And so suddenly all of my details had been released, you know, my social details, my phone number, everything. So my phone was going nuts. I was getting death threats. I was getting, I was getting threats towards my wife, to my family, to everything. And, you know, this progressed for, you know, days. And, you know, I'd already handed myself into the police. The police were taking care of it and they did a fantastic job. They, I was completely in the wrong. And this went on for around about eight months before I got resolved and I spent like uh, a short time in prison in Changi. But the, the weird thing about the whole situation was the moment that I opened up and admitted, I admitted I had the problems. You know, I'd been, I'd gone from being very vulnerable, isolated, angry. I, I felt alone, you know, I felt alone for probably about two years before that actual incident happened. As soon as I admitted that I had the problem and started talking openly to my, my wife, my, my, my family and like friends, I wasn't alone anymore. That security blanket of friends and family which were all always there if i'd have opened up but it stupidly took an, a nasty incident that i you know i as i said i instantly regret uh, it happening um but it took that incident before i realized that people were there to help me and it's for that reason why i talk why we're talking today is like you know you know the project that i've set up is trying to allow another opportunity for people to have that security blanket which some people may not have yeah, uh, yeah i know sure. i was very lucky to have those people around me and basically the it, this sounds a little bit weird but it was kind of that incident was the best bad thing that happened you know i if i'd have gone further could have i could have gone through with these some of these thoughts or you know i could have I could have hurt the guy or somebody worse because of my actions. And thankfully, although what happened happened and it, you know, it, it was bad, uh, nobody, nobody died, nobody got badly injured. Like it was, it was a nasty incident, but from that incident, what I've always wanted to try and do is make something good out of that bad situation. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. 
and that's um yeah that's fascinating there's a, there's a lot to um a lot to um unpack there Stu, mate. Yeah, a lot a lot <laughs> a lot going on but you know just to rewind a little bit what you were saying about the the anger and the arguments and the drinking and stuff like i relate to that so hard and i always say when i when i was really poorly when i was going through the hardest times i felt like i'd had a personality transplant and then I got so used to being this new version of me, I stopped even realizing that it was a new version of me, if that makes any sort of sense. So I know completely what you mean. And I think a lot of people experience that and seeing those, getting angry with other people. And it's, but it's more like, cause they're holding up a mirror. And I really identified with that a lot. And I always think you hear it so much from people and they say stuff like, oh, I just want to be on my own. I hate other people. And when someone says that, I always think you don't hate other people. You hate yourself and, you know, and you need to learn to love yourself. And then you will realize that it's not everybody else. You know, it's all internal stuff, isn't it? That we project onto others. And then you throw like alcohol into the mix, then it's only going to go one way. And I really, really relate to that, that part of the part of the story, mate. I really, really do into that internal story turmoil you know yeah it's it's kind of weird when it's you know looking back at that now i have a lot of a lot more empathy for people that are you know struggling like um you know there's, there's a time when somebody is on the bus and somebody's being a pain in the ass or something like that and i used to sort of i used to be like get kind of wound up with that quite quickly but now i look at it and go well we all we don't know what that person's going through um and I'm not saying that I still don't get angry with people, but it's, I do sort of now pause before I do anything and sort of like, you know, or say anything or, you know. Yeah. And that's lovely. It's something that's missing from modern society. The word compassion is something I say a lot on this podcast, you know, but it does, we, we are lacking it. And when you go through something, it makes you look at other people differently. It makes you look at different stories. And that's really, really interesting as well about, you know, about the kind of the altercation um, you know that you found yourself in and you know we, we're not going to dig around in that stew you know there's that's not what we're here to do but I do think it's the center of a really really interesting conversation because ill mental health is not it is not an excuse but it is a reason right and if yeah. you weren't poorly that wouldn't have happened but the fact that once it goes viral everyone's wading in and you know we're in 2021 it's this era of cancel culture and like everyone just kind of like piles in rightly or wrongly judge jury and executioner but you know sometimes and of course every situation's different right but you know in a in the case of yourself you know you were really not well and you know certainly facing online abuse ain't going to help that situation right you know you don't need a you don't need to be pushed further down you need a hand up in that situation eh? and I'm, I'm so and, and don't, don't get me wrong I, I know that it wasn't you know it's a very small minority of people that were piling onto that abuse and uh, it is a small minority but at the time when you're that low and you know you've made a mistake people are just a lot more vulnerable those people that do actually send out all those messages and hide behind their computers or hide behind their phones and everything like that they are responsible and on occasions for people taking their own lives and again, that isn't, I mean, it's, you know, it's a horrible thing to say, but it, it's, it's another reason why what I'm trying to do is create an environment that, you know, people are looking out for each other. You know, I, I was lucky that my 
as I said before, my, my friends and family and my wife, they instantly knew there was something wrong with me. I wasn't myself and they protected me. But I also know that there's so many people that don't feel that they've got that protection blanket around of, of family and friends. So I think what you're doing on your, your podcast and you know what so many people are trying to do is create that community of creating compassion and empathy for other people um, and give people opportunities and uh, an environment to relate to each other. And like you say, what, what I did, there was no excuse for what I did. And I, I, I completely agree with what you said about the you know, mental health isn't an excuse, but it is, it, it is partly the reason why it all happened. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I can't undo that. Um, what I'm trying to do is build from that, I suppose. Yeah, sure. And, you know, we're, we're to you know, come on to your, the project and what you're working on now, Stu. Am I right in thinking it was around, you know, as part of the, it was waiting was it waiting for a, a therapy session and making yeah. some notes that kind of led to the idea for for noisy brain and, and what came next yeah the once the incident happened i had this really weird need to write things down <laughs> and it was probably due to me not being able to talk to people about things so i was writing yeah i've, I've got pads of notes and stuff like all, always around me you know uh, I, I'm old school. I don't do everything on the phone. I still <laughs> this is a pen, everyone. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, for anyone listening to the audio, um, Stu just held up a feather that he dipped in ink. But <laughs> but um, I just had to keep writing. I would pick up on things which you know, personal things. I would be listening to something on TV, you know, or, and something would spark and I was writing that down. And, and all these things were just, I, I just spent the whole day, like, because I couldn't actually go out. I couldn't, for a few weeks, I could, didn't feel like I could leave my house because of the, the abuse. And I was writing, and I mean, I've written TV commercials and things before, but this was different. I was just writing and writing and writing. And it was just, it was actually getting annoying because I'd be, I tried to go and do something and I was like, ah, I've got to write that down. And it's like, you know, I um, started making them into like bad poetry. And I, I'm not, a, I'm not a very good writer and I'm not a poet, but I kind of like thought they needed to be written. And so I started sort of collating them and different thoughts from different pages and, and yes, you're right. Like what happened was I went to a counseling session with like various people, actually. I, I also went to AA for a little while, but I didn't feel like I fitted in with AA. Although alcohol was a problem, I um, the, the people at AA were fantastic, by the way. And I would recommend anybody going there if, if you, you feel you've got a, a problem with alcohol. I, I went there, they helped me. They were all very welcoming. I started doing the 12 step program. Um, I think I got up to six or seven on the, on the steps. But then I was, I realized that other people around me, they, they genuinely had a problem with alcohol. Whereas I just had stopped. I, I could, I could have a drink and stop and I could, you know, but at that, at that time I completely stopped. And these other people, they couldn't. They were struggling to even come to the meetings without having a drink before coming to the meetings. So I just felt that I didn't really fit in. But one of the guys that helped me uh, with the, the STEPS program was 
like it turned out that when he turned up at the at the meeting he he was late and i would i would started scribbling again and he turned up and he said what are you writing and i said i genuinely don't know um he said do you mind if i have a look and uh, and i was suddenly like a little bit apprehensive because i suddenly realized that i hadn't shown anybody anything of that what i've written i hadn't shown my wife or friends or anything <laughs> And this was the first person to have a look. And I went away and got a coffee and came back. And he was like, Stu, can I, fo can I photograph this page? Like, um, I was like, why? <laughs> so, um, and he said, I, I love what you've written here. I think I can make it into a song. And I didn't know anything really about this guy other than he was helping me. Just purely by chance, he said, I. I, I'll try and make this page a song. I really like it. I relate to what you've said here and here and here. And I said, hey, do what you want. And I think about a week or so later, I served my prison sentence. And um, and then I, I, once I got out of prison, it was only a short like time in prison. It was still prison. Um, but um, I got out and I, myself and my wife, decided we can try and get out and have a break you know from Singapore because at the time I couldn't leave Singapore because they confiscate your passport and stuff like that and um so we went away on holiday and we were away and I get this text message say Stu I finished your song and I was like oh wow you know and then the next one came through and it was him playing the song and it was just so such a powerful moment um hearing my words back you know, in a in a um, in a creative expression, which I you know I I, I can't I, I I'm not musical. You know, I can't I, I can't play any music. I you know I've always loved music, but so hearing my words back in that creative form was just so moving. Immediately, I just was like, well, I'm not the only person in the world that's not musical, and I'm not the only person in the world that's writing as an outlet. And I was like, how can I share that moment? with other people and that's how the noisy the noisy brain was born um was basically me trying to find out or work out a way of giving other people that opportunity to hear their words back to them in song the thing that the noisy brain basically does is you know we try to encourage people with mental health mental and emotional health issues to write about their problems or write about their experiences or their frustrations, you know, and those things don't necessarily have to be in lyric form. They could be, they could be poems, which I suppose kind of song form in a, in a way. They could be just like, you know, a, a page of observations. We invite musicians to adopt a, a writing and create a song. Over the last year, we've set up the Noisy Brain and We've now got people all around the world um, sending in writings. Uh, I call them writings because I don't feel that they can be lyrics until they're actually in songs. So it's, that's just me. But it, I, I don't, there's probably a better word for them than writings. <laughs> but yeah, we get, we're getting a lot of people around the world sending in the writings. But I was blown away by the amount of musicians that have got on board with the idea and have adopted the writings and are making songs. We've only actually probably got about seven or eight on the, on the, on the app at the moment or on the website, <coughs> excuse me. But there's probably about 20, 25 songs around the world being made by different musicians and groups wow. and artists. Like, and I'm talking to musicians all the time and we, we're, we're setting, we're, you know, potentially setting up 
writing workshops to help people write in a better way that you know some of their writings might have a better chance of becoming songs so we're, we're sort of starting to put these together so there's lots of things that we're doing uh, behind the scenes and it's, it is it's, it's gradually sort of like working we're having some nice feedback from people and lots of different organizations are wanting to get involved and so yeah hopefully we'll you know eventually be in a position to put like an album out or like a an event with you know various artists performing some of the work you know uh, there's no no particular genre of music um, that we aim for that's completely up to the musicians and their choice and how they want to interpret the writings and we sort of tell that the tell the contributing writers that they haven't got any control over the genre of the music or you know how that music might turn out I mean, on occasions, musicians are actually inviting the contributing writer to uh, share a little bit more information about that particular, you know, what, the, what those people were feeling in that moment or what did they mean by that particular piece of writing. Um, so it just helps the musician create a, a, a more rounded piece. And sometimes people actually, I put musicians in, front, in touch with the contributing writers and then I leave them to it and they go off and make their own project and you know then I hear the piece of music back and uh it's 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 amazing I mean it's it's a it's a, a beautiful process and it's just it's offering another outlet for people to express themselves you know there's there's great I'm talking to uh, an organization Andy's Man Club Mm. Yeah, I've had um, I've had Andrew Greenwood from Andy's Man Club on the That's podcast. Right, actually, yeah, yeah. 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 He, he, I chatted to him recently, and um, they're in, they're going to be trying to encourage some of their members to potentially like work That's with us awesome. as well. And, you know, yeah. so all of these things are growing, and it, it you know the and Andy's Man Club is is it, good to talk. I think it's I think it's good to talk. Is yeah, there, it's uh, okay to talk, isn't it? It's okay yeah. to talk. Yeah. Sorry, yes. So that's right. So you know, it's great that people are being encouraged to talk, but some uh, some people still find that hard. And so this this potentially is like um, another outlet that people can express themselves in, and will create something from that. Yeah, yeah, positive from that. And yeah. so, oh mate, it's such a wonderful idea. I was really um really really taken with it and really keen to kind of explore it with yourself because there's so much there that is applicable for mental well-being and for for care of ourselves um but then just done in a in a different way you know and i think like sometimes the approach to mental health can be a little bit one size fits all and if you are feel like you're a certain type of person you could feel that there's not an outlet or a a support or something out there for you to help so to have like this which is a completely different space to anything else that's out there but as we grow up and journey through life I found from my own experience the stuff that kind of used to set my soul on fire my creative projects they fell by the wayside as I got older and I had kids and stuff like that um, you know, different ways to express myself fell by the wayside, connecting to other people. My circle got smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's the same for the vast majority of people. And all these things are so important to us as human beings. So to have an, an outlet for creativity and connection in a space like something like music and poetry, where it can be a little bit sort of marginalized or forgotten about when it comes to um, the mental health conversation, I just think it's like, it's such an incredible tool. I just think it's really, and yeah, it just, just, 
just fun. How much help? Journaling all the time is is yeah. is to, we're told we're good. It's no different to journaling to like it's to spewing exactly. those words out onto a page, right? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, I think I touched on it before, but the problem that I was having when I was originally writing all my anxiety fueled rants was that I was writing them down and reading them back, and that was the sole purpose of them. And it wasn't till I was lucky enough uh, that my friend took this and made it into a song where it uh, elevated it. And the whole reason that it all came around it was, again, touching on what you just said about going back. I went after the incident, I realized that another big problem with my, me personally was my career. And I just decided that for however long I, was, I needed to, I would take like, you know, some time out to focus on myself. You know, my, my wife said, why don't you get back into doing your art? Like, I mean, I used to be an okay, I used to like drawing and, and I, I, I thought, I don't know if I want to go drawing, but then for some reason, I think my wife actually en enrolled me into a pottery course. And at first I was like, I feel like I'm going back to school, you know? And, um, and it was like going back to school, but it was fantastic. I found with pottery, like a few other things that I did, I, want, I wanted to go back to basics and you literally were concentrating of what, what was literally in your hand. Like, so any mistakes is, your, you know, slight movements. You can go from a pot to a plate quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and, but the thing is, with your pot that becomes a plate, at least you've got a final product. You've got a plate. <laughs> you, can, you can make it. It might not have been what you wanted in originally. But you have a final product. And I started realizing that is why the song, sorry, the, yeah, the original song, that, uh, the, noisy, the, the Noisy Brain, was because it, it had some completion. And so the pottery actually served a purpose as well for me to realize why things were working in the songs because they start, suddenly started becoming something. And there was a final product rather than it just being stuck on my page. And I think what you were saying about the journaling, so I've got, this is, this is part of the ADHD thing. It's like, I just flick about and I can't stop it. So I'm here for it, mate. I'm here the, for it. <laughs> the journaling part, I, I got it back. <laughs> the journaling is, is, is great. You know, people having that outlet of writing. I was, I was talking to um, uh, Mind um, in South, South Kent, uh, uh, Mind uh, the other day. And, they were saying, oh, but we do journaling and it's not it's not songs. And I said, well, it could be. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're, whatever you're writing on that page, you know, it means something to you because you've written it down. But the interesting thing that is happening with the involvement with musicians and like, and, and you know, various people that are getting involved, they look at that piece of writing and they go, I love that section. And it, it might just be like a page of your, your rants and your, you know, your, 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 your feelings of that day, a musician would potentially take that, you know, a section of that and go, I am creating the song around that piece. And then it's suddenly your, your, your writing, your, your personal writing has suddenly become relatable by somebody and then potentially relatable by a lot of people in music. Um, and so the journaling thing is really important. I mean, I, I'd encourage anybody just to, if they, you've got some, um, I don't know, interesting pages that you like of your, of your journal, of you know, interesting subject matter, 
potentially, you know, they can be sort of um, uh, uploaded onto the app that we've got um, and potentially might get adopted by a, a musician and made into music. And even if it doesn't get made into music, your writing can help other people because people just will relate to it. With journaling, I think, is, which is great. I, I just feel that it opens up like so much more if somebody can actually read other people's frustrations because they become relatable. It makes somebody feel less alone because, oh, somebody else is feeling what I'm feeling. Completely. Like, relatability is how we know we're, we're not alone, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think like when it can be hard to talk, sometimes it can be easier to write, you know? And the idea of submitting that to like strangers via an app takes the pressure off of having to tell someone close to you your thoughts because like sometimes it feels really, really good to talk and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes you really want to talk, but the people you've got around you, it's not appropriate or you don't want to burden them or they don't want to hear it. There's a million and one reasons, you know? So the idea of being able to kind of get this stuff out in a different way and to put it out there. And I think a lot of people who are struggling, something that they makes that struggle harder is because they feel like they're not being seen and they feel like they're not being heard. And because of all the stigma around mental health, it just feels like no one cares, but to, to write something from your heart, to write something about how you're feeling. That's, that's like really like serious and precious and then to have someone turn that into a song and to hear that back, like that, that could be so powerful to make someone feel like they matter, you know, like that, that they're being seen and that they're being heard. And I just, I love the idea of that. I really, really did, mate. I mean, I, I had it recently, like um, a couple of weeks ago, I was supposed to be having a, a talk with a new musician. He said, but I've got something that might cheer you up. And he sent me, um, and I didn't even know he was working on it. And he sent me a, a song, which I had, which actually goes back to the pottery co- uh, uh, pottery conversation. I'd written I'd written something called kintsugi, which kintsugi is about it's a it's a Japanese uh, method of repairing broken pots. And their thinking is something that's been broken is is now more valuable. It's got a story like behind it. And in old times, they used to repair these, or traditionally, they used to pair, repair these pots with gold leaf. So the gold emphasizes the cracks and that's kind of been something that i've taken on board from my pottery and the, the kintsugi and the music and myself is like we're we now we're, people that have been through stuff are now stronger for it you know and that kintsugi thing is sort of part of my life now it's like i i keep referring it keeps coming up and i don't know why but it came up because i did the pottery and then and then yeah two weeks ago when I was ill he said I think I've got something that might cheer you up and he sent me the Kintsugi song and I was just blown away it was just took me back from you know two years ago when I wrote it and it was the same feeling that I had the first song that I heard that somebody else had made for me and I was just blown away and it's like I, I just that that feeling when you hear your words back is just amazing I'm, I've been lucky enough to sort of introduce uh, musicians and contributing writers and film them hearing their song for the first time. I'm hopefully going to release those like soon like for various reasons I haven't been able to at the moment. But um, it's just beautiful moments where these people hear their song played back to them for the first time and they, they have no 
no no knowledge of how it would sound it's uh it's it, it can be an amazing thing oh mate, I'd, 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 a lot more of those. <laughs> yeah i'd love to see those mate if when you get those up yeah i think that'd be um that'd be really powerful there's something really really lovely really lovely about that mate um just as we start to wrap up is do what um if people would like to get involved where how's the best way to um how's the best way to to sub- submit stuff you can submit stuff directly if you can don't download the the app the noisy brain app it's on all of the app stores um it's free to download you can have complete access to all of the sections on, on the app uh, there's a contributing writers section which people either contact me and say that they want to download they would they want this all uh, submitted people can upload things directly one thing i would say is that also i completely understand that some people want to remain anonymous i'm happy for people to submit a submit a writing under a, a writing name or a, if you wanted to create a a, a musical group name or, or however you want to d- deliver it it doesn't actually have to be your own name uh, some of the writings I've submitted, I've wished I had put under an anonymous name because they're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, they're under my name, some of them. Um, but um, uh, yeah, you can, if you download the app, that's probably the best way to sort of like see what we're all about. We've got a website which gives more information, but I'm trying to get, so I'm encourage, trying to encourage people to go onto the app. The reason we created the community was because I wanted to be able to police it a little bit better I don't you know I don't want um you know what happens on Twitter and things like that where people just you know are quite abusive to people like we 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 very rarely have that any any problems with that uh but that's kind of what I wanted to do is create a community that was helping each other and advising each other with like kind of problems we're not experts uh we don't pretend to be um we we're we're in talks with experts that are potentially going to be contributing sort of like articles etc but at the moment a lot of the things that are written on the blog are written by people on the community uh that are sort of writing about you know even things like from uh parenting as a with an autistic child um you know there's lots of different mental health issues and people are sort of contributing different articles on different things each time um but they're again on occasions they might come from experts but you know majority is just people sort of like uh, uh, uploading things that they are passionate about and um it's it's uh it's creating a nice community on on instagram we're with the noisy brainer somebody else stole the noisy brain so we've now the noisy brainer um but uh yeah you can find us on there um and but yeah really encourage anybody to try and download the app and anybody that wants to get in contact me all my details are readily available fantastic i'll put all the links and everything in the episode notes as well mate you know and um yeah tag you in anything that that goes up so people can people can find you and um yeah mate thank you so much for your time today i really really i've so much respect and appreciation for your openness and your honesty you know it's um yeah it's great we got into got into it today mate and i've nothing but love and re- respect for that and i just think that the project's brilliant the idea that you know we're, we're trying to shine a light on on mental health to take away some of the the stigma you know and i just i love the idea of this 
this music coming together from real people with real experiences and you know like towards the future when you talk about like putting an album out or you know like an event or so you know and all these different things I just think how powerful is that in reducing stigma and I just think you're like what you're doing is great mate and I think it's a fantastic idea and I I really sincerely wish you all the best with it Stu. Thanks so much and uh, I completely feel the same way about you doing all your podcasts and having these chats with people um, it's a fantastic thing you're doing as well, like highlighting it. I, I wish I wish I didn't babble so much. I might do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for your time. Lovely to meet you. And um, yeah, let's stay in touch, man, and we'll, we'll catch up soon. Definitely, mate.
Thank you for listening from the Proper Mental Podcast. Please like and subscribe. Plus five stars.